I'm I'm playing hide and go seek with my girls, um, and I'm currently hiding in the woods here uh, at Kordiak Park in Columbia Heights. Uh, if you, I don't know if you know this, Kordiak Park was the first county park named after Albert Kordiak, who founded the the county park system in Anoka County. Um, and in fact, this park used to have the courthouse for Anoka County in it. It still has some stones where that was. That's not why I'm recording this video. I'm hiding in the woods. They cannot find me. They have no clue that I came into the woods. Um, and I'm also thinking a lot about Genesis 1 right now as we're starting this new series that we're starting today. And man, to be sitting in the woods is incredible. I mean, you see the green and the light coming through. Off through the trees, maybe you can't see. There's a little lake. I, it's beautiful. It's it's good. That, that's one of the first words I'm sitting here. I think this is so good. It reminds me of Genesis 1 as we hear about God creating all things. And he keeps saying it's good. The creatures, the water, the sky. The creation, it's good. It's so good. And you know what he does? He creates all of that. And then he needs to continue to tend and care for it. And he could just do that. But instead, he does one last thing as he creates. Before he rests, he creates people in his image to take care of it. His ambassadors or workers or his people, his family to take care of it. I'm excited to consider what it looks like for the next few months, what it looks like to be good caretakers of all that God's given us. I better go, I think they're coming. <laughs> I'm muted, I'm back, I'm back. Thank you everybody for letting me know. I was just, I was just sharing some really incredible things. I don't have time to say it again. So sorry, you just missed. I was actually just sharing about how giant my eyebrows are from the video. That was it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for this new series and truly uh, have been thinking about um, how uh, really how creation has speaks to and reminds us of what we were created for and our purpose and how the gospel really does change everything when we think about what is our purpose. Um, and so we're starting this new series. We're calling the gospel changes everything. And uh, uh, we're going to look for the next few months at different areas of life um, and what it looks like to, to um, apply the gospel in our lives to those areas, whether they uh, are things like justice in our communities or our families or friends, or maybe real practical. And how do we, uh, if the gospel changes us, how do we allow it then to overflow and change those around us in really practical ways, even from how we listen and inter interact and talk? Um, I I'm excited for this. I think it'll be a, a, a great opportunity for us to not just think big picture theologically, what does God think and how does the world work, but, but practically even into our lives as we started. So excited for that. Today we're going to kind of introduce that and look at what um, that's looking at. And we're, we're going to 
look right into what I was just talking about in the woods. Um, we're going to look right at Genesis. And today we're going to look at something that we call in the church, uh, we use this phrase sometimes, it's called the creation mandate, or some people call it the cultural mandate, The what God set up for us, for him, for for creation, and then how that's continued to play out. And that's we're going to look at that story. And right now I'm excited to tell you that story and how we fit into that story. That story begins in creation. God creates all things, beautiful things, and he creates mankind. And this is where we start in Genesis 1. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So he, he created us, but not, he created people, but not just um, the same way as he created other things. He created them in his image. In, there's something about people that's actually bearing God's image, representing God, being God's family. Uh, and so what does he do then? He creates them. And then in verse 28 here, it says, God blessed them and said to them, so he blesses us, right? Gives us life, brings us in, into the world. And he says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is what we call the creation mandate. It kind of sounds like a big, important thing. It is a really important thing. I don't, I don't care if you remember that phrase, but here's, here's ultimately what he's saying. He's saying, God blesses us. It comes from God. And then from that blessing, we are to be fruitful. We are to increase or multiply, fill the earth. And it says subdue it. This word subdue here actually means like gently care or gently subdue, not, um, not like rule over, take a hold and tell the earth what to do. It's a, it's a command for growth, for fruitfulness and for care and maintenance. Um, which is pretty incredible. And then actually later in 2.15, he says a similar thing. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So this is this is before things get bad, before things kind of fall apart, which we're going to talk about in a second in the story. The story starts with a God who creates and blesses and then calls his people to cultivate, to grow, to care, to, to increase and multiply and not just necessarily multiply. Like it's not just saying go have babies um, because I think you go have babies and that isn't helpful, isn't helping flourishing, but he's saying to increase in a way that's causing fruitfulness that, that God, this is so good. God, before stuff falls and gets broken, God creates this, uh, system for us in his family that we actually work and, and and grow things and cultivate things and care for things. I think I can I can start believing uh, just because I don't want to do anything I, that I God created the world and then threw some hammocks out on trees and was like, you just hang out, I'll take care of all this. How incredible is this? You want you want to feel purpose in life? God creates people. He creates all of creation. And then he says, I need you to help me. It's, it's not finished. It's going to continue to grow. And I want you to take care of it. What an amazing purpose that we get to participate in the work of God, like God himself, by helping him take care of it. That's what this is called. And so that's how it starts. In the garden, we're outside. 
it's beautiful. We're taking care of animals and creatures and each other. And our relationship with God and each other and creation are good. And God does say, I, I need you, though, to understand how this works. It's me that gives the blessings and you're bearing my image. And there's one thing I ask you to not do. And that is eat from this one tree. This tree will bring death. Do not eat from this tree. And what happens is God's people, if you know the story, are, are tricked, are deceived by Satan, God's adversary. And they're told, hey, uh, this has a snake. He comes as a snake and says, God doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to be God. He doesn't want you to know everything. You could actually just bear your own image and decide your own fates. And, and you could really, in the end, be God. You don't need him. And so they eat of the apple and what we call the fall um, happens. People turn from God doing the one thing God asks to make sure that that everything's cared for and flourishes, and, and people do, Adam and Eve do the opposite. They eat from the garden. And in this act of selfishness, them consuming creation they weren't supposed to, everything gets broke. It falls apart. This consequence of treason against a holy God becomes these curses. That's what we're going to look at now. So we start with this creation in our story, and then we move to this fall, we often call it the fall and this brokenness. And I want to highlight kind of how this brokenness works because this is going to carry through uh, as we look at how this creation mandate continues, even though there's a curse. So that happens. People turn from God. God comes, says, what are you doing? Uh, And then he says, there's consequences to turning from God, from sinning. So the Lord said to the serpent first, the one who deceived them, because you've done this cursed Are you above all livestock? We're in Genesis 3 here now. And all wild animals, you will crawl in your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So he's first saying there's this spiritual brokenness now. There is going to be an adversary that is going to continue to try to have you turn to yourselves or to anything but God. There's a brokenness in that in that system, in that way of life. And not only that, God here promises something, which is really cool at the end here uh, of 15. He says, there'll be a time where, where Satan, you're going you're gonna to try to, to kill uh, and you're going to hurt the heel, but he's going to crush your head. And this is actually the first time we get to hear the, the story of the gospel. He's kind of hinting or saying here that one day, there's going to be one who will come. He's going to crush you. Uh, you may hurt him. But he's going to crush you, which you're referring to when Jesus is put on a cross but doesn't kill him. But actually, Jesus on the cross ends up killing Satan. This, that's a lot more. So I, that gets me excited, though. So first curse is this brokenness between our spiritual and our spiritual lives. Now it seems there, there's someone else who's trying to rule over us uh, and, and come between us. Then the next curse comes. God turns and says to the woman, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That phrase desire for your husband isn't like, uh, I'm going to make you really love your husband. It's a desire like to rule over him. So now, now here's what's happening. Not only is spiritual lives broken, 
in relationships, but now our relationships with each other. Now kids, the first thing kids are going to do is cause a bunch of pain to their parents and continue to cause pain to their parents. And parents are going to cause pain to their kids forever, their whole lives, right? And then there's going to be husbands and wives, and there's going to be neighbors, and there's going to be co-workers. There's going to be, everyone is going to have brokenness in relationships. So we're going to see brokenness throughout just people's relationships. And then God turns to the man and says to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree above which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Because you turned from me. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will not eat food from it all the days of your life. You'll eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You'll eat your food, saying, you're going to continue to work, but it's going to be hard work now. It's going to be painful work. There's not going to be thorns and thistles. There's going to be creation is almost going to fight back against you. There'll be seasons where your stuff doesn't grow. Seasons where creation seems to be running from you. There seems to be almost a, a, a big crack in the earth and that tries to swallow you up. We even hear this language later in scripture that the earth tries to swallow up um, all the people. So now there's a brokenness in the relationship between creation and people. Not just brokenness spiritually and a brokenness relationally, but now there's a brokenness between creation. And the end of this verse says, until you return to the ground, there's this, you're going to be, it's going to be hard and, and your work will be, it's broken. It's not going to work like it should have. You still will work, but it's not going to work like it should have. And it says you're going to do this until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken and from dust you are and to dust you will return. You're going to die now. There's a theological brokenness. There's a, you no longer will live in the garden forever Alongside your God, you're going to be in a broken relationship with creation and people. Look into another master for your spiritual life. And death now is part of the equation. Your relationship with me is broken. So ultimately, for me, it's helpful to think about this as brokenness between our relationship with God and our spiritual kind of together. This, this brokenness between God our brokenness between our relationship with each other, with people, and brokenness with creation and our environment, the stuff that we've been given. And so when we think about um, we think about this creation mandate, God blesses us. He, we bear his image. And the, in the brokenness of that, we turn that and we start thinking that everything is created in our image and that we our God, that becomes broken. We're called, called to multiply and grow. And in fact, in relationships, we often divide and get smaller and, and try to isolate so that we are in the right group and they are in the, the wrong group. And so actually, instead of multiplying, we're shrinking. And so the creation mandate is broken there. And then to care for all of creation becomes broken. Now, we care for the creatures and animals, and in the garden it was good, and now it is not good. In fact, we fight and hurt, and creation actually hurts us, and we hurt creation. We end up just using creation. And not just, I'm not just talking like environmentalism here. I'm not just talking, uh, you know, being, being a great hunter. I'm talking just 
everything around us seems to not always work right. And we're fighting in toil and sweat to make things right. And we get moments and glimpses of that working, but it doesn't seem to work. And so this is how God's people live for a long time. For a really long time. God's people sit um, in the fallenness. And in fact, even though they're in the fallenness and we see families kill each other, we see uh, people try to use and and consume and uh, their environment and the environment hurt them. And we see brokenness between God. People worship everything, other gods, to golden idols, to them ultimately themselves. God does not give up on this creation mandate. This is really incredible. Throughout all scripture, we hear this again. This happens again with Noah. What happens is, The land becomes so turned from God that God brings the flood to to clean the land, to kind of restart. And in that, he says to Noah these words. Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them in Genesis 9, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. He restates the word. He uses the same phrase. He says the creation mandate is still your purpose. To care for, create, grow, and growth. And, and not just multiply, multiply my family. And then we continue to see the cycle of people turning from God, not obeying God, choosing life uh, that isn't for God, which ends up leading in death. And then we see God come to Abraham. And as he talks to Abraham, sets up a covenant with him, this connection, this lifelong uh, faithfulness with Abraham. He says, Abraham, Listen, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those you bless and whoever curses you, I will curse all the peoples on earth who will be blessed through you. Do you hear what he's saying? I, God, will bless my people, my family, and then they will be a blessing. They're going to multiply. They're going to care for the earth. This continues and continues and continues in scripture. We, God's people, continue to turn away from God, looking to other things. And our God does not change his covenant that he made with us all the way back in the garden. And he continues to remind us that what I'm calling you to, what your purpose is, is to be blessed by me and then let that blessing overflow and bless others. He continues to say this. He continues to call us to multiply and to be, be people who, Join in his work, even after we turn and show that we shouldn't be the ones doing that. He says, no, 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 no. I still created you to care for this. We continue to turn away, but our God never does. Our God is faithful to us always. And so we look at things throughout this history like sin, fighting, slavery, sadness, the destruction that's caused by this sin and this fall, corruption, trying to use broken things to fix other broken things, and it gets weary. We, In fact, we create rules to make us, to fix the issue with our brokenness with God. We think if we have the right um, rules, then we can be in the family of God. If you follow God's commandments just right, then you're in the family. And if you're not, we're going to kick you out of the family. 
We end up actually pursuing our own desires, thinking it will draw us closer to God, fixing the brokenness problem with God. We see this when Jesus is born with Pharisees. There's, they've set up what they think are the things that will make the relationship with God right. And then we try to set up ways to fix this brokenness that we have with each other, whether it's pursuing pleasure from each other, thinking that brings us connection, or maybe we find ourselves even using each other to gain power or money or reputation. We try to love each other, but sin and brokenness, we're broken. The brokenness seems to win, whether it's individually with, with us and someone, we kind of get used to like, well, it's broken. This is as good as it gets. Or even corporately through people in whole people groups, we find ways to sin against one another. And as the fall continues in history, we even see brokenness in creation. Creation not working with us and us not working with creation. Years of famine where people aren't eating from a land that should help, should be working and producing things for people. We even fight over creation, over the things around us, causing division relationally amongst people and using creation as, as almost an idol that we worship. We become frustrated with creation. We overuse it and don't care for it. And in the end, often we end up just worshiping creation. In all of these things, We've decided that we can somehow perfect how to fix the brokenness. And so over time, we continue to work within brokenness, thinking we'll figure out a way to fix all of it. Thankfully, throughout all of that history and in the fall, there were people who came along who continued to point us to the one who can heal brokenness, who can fix brokenness. And this one would finally come one day, and fix the brokenness, heal the brokenness that we couldn't do. And even if God's creation and we were not faithful to him, God was still faithful to his people, right? And we, we know, hopefully we know where this is leading, right? It's Jesus. The story of creation to the fall doesn't end in the fall, thank God. It, it moves to what we would call redemption. And Jesus, being himself God, the blessed one, steps down from heaven to multiply God's family, to be fruitful, to care for creation, and making all things good again. Jesus comes humble, willing to give his own life so that other lives could flourish, that people could be cared for and God's family would multiply. And so that's where this story continues. In the brokenness, we get to now turn to the one who actually does fulfill the the creation mandate. We get to read this. I love the words uh, in Colossians here. I mean, there's lots of words that explain how sweet Jesus is. But these words are so uh, uh, cool here in Colossians. Jesus comes, right? He's born. He, he lives. He shows his great power. He lives like we're supposed to live in caring and multiplying, connecting relationships with God and with people and with creation. Colossians explains this way. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the firstborn. He is the true creation mandate worker. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and hear this, in him all things hold together. Things were broken, are broken, right? They're falling apart, and Jesus is the one who can hold things together. I get a little obsessed sometimes watching videos of um, like people doing cool woodworking projects. I'll never be able to do them. But one of my favorite things is when people glue pieces of wood together, and I think, you're just gluing it and clamping it. That's never going to hold. It's just glue. And then they build like a truck out of it, and you're like, how is that holding this incredible amount of weight? It there's something, wood glue, it's see, I don't know how it works. They clamp it. And when they unclamp it, it's like one piece of wood again. Jesus comes and holds the brokenness of our relationship with God back together. He sticks our relationship with one another back together. He sticks our relationship with creation back together. He holds all these things together. So the creation mandate is still on. And Jesus has shown us what that looks like. And now we get to rest in Jesus, in doing that, and Jesus actually tells us he continues the creation mandate. It doesn't change. We're still called to it. And he says it actually as he dies and rises from the dead, defeating Satan, defeating death, breaking those curses. He says, he restates the creation mandate to us right now. Again, it says, let's not forget this is what your purpose is. Then Jesus came to them. This is the end of Matthew. This is one of his last things he tells us before he ascends to his throne in heaven. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Do you hear what he says there? He says, I have authority. I'm going to bless you with this life in me. Now you need you. You go make disciples of all nations. Let's not get stuck here. We're like, oh, it sounds like now you're supposed to just get people to go to church. That is not what the Great Commission is saying. It is saying, go and bring people into the family of God. That family might meet once a week to worship and be reminded of the gospel and God. But that he's saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're saying, go and multiply the family of God and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Why are you teaching them? It sounds like get people to come to church and tell them how to live their lives. Bring people into the family of God where they have life and they're part, they're multiplying, they're fruitful, and then teach them to obey. Teach them what it looks like to care for their lives and creation and each other. That's what God's commandments are, how to live a life that's a life and not leading to death. And so Jesus says, continue in doing that. I, I mean, how cool is this? We still have the same purpose, and we get to do this in anything that we do. Any job you have, any position you hold, any place you walk in the next week, you can make that place fruitful. You can help that place grow, those people grow. You can care for those things. There's no bounds to this. Like This isn't like only if you have this career, we all get to watch you do this. This is all of us get to do this in all places. It, there's a word that's connected to this. Uh, 
a phrase sometimes connected to this in Hebrew. And actually this week, I saw this phrase. I, I love how this works out. I'm saddened this week um, by the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. She's a woman who spent a lot of her life fighting for equality um, for, for women and, and many others in our culture and around the world. She's one that many look to uh, for one who's fighting for this word, justice. And, and I, so because of her death on, I think it was Friday, um, many people were posting about her. And so there's all these little bios about her. So of course I'm reading those. I'm thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know that much about her. I want to learn more. And one of them was really interesting. They were interviewing someone, um, interviewing her in her office. This is a while ago. And the person said, as I interview her, uh, like over her shoulder on her wall is this uh, picture. It's a picture of three Hebrew words that come out of Deuteronomy 16.20. And um, they asked her about it. She says, well, that's kind of a, a mantra of my life. As a growing up uh, Jewish, this is a one I heard. And as a judge and one of the highest judges in our land, this is important to me. And she quotes this uh, Hebrew or Deuteronomy 1620. Um, these three words. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to say these correctly. I'm going to try. Zedek, Zedek, Tudof, which is three words, which mean justice, justice shall you pursue. And this is the section of Deuteronomy where he's laying out the law and how we are to live our lives so that we have purpose and things work the way God intended them. Ultimately, how to have life, how to, how to create life around us and flourishing around us. And, and he says, if you're a judge in the land, you got to judge righteously, and fairly. And then it ends with justice, justice, you shall pursue. And not justice, this word we hear often right now, justice, and that could mean a lot of things. But in Deuteronomy, we're hearing justice as in th causing people to thrive, which is the best you can fulfilling the creation mandate. So we have this opportunity to fix this brokenness and we can look to what we think fixes all of them. I, I would say that often, at least in my life and what I can see around me, we pick kind of one of these we might focus on. I might say, you know what it's about? Justice, justice, we should pursue that. And all that means, all it is, maybe we single out I'm going to push into relationship with God. So all I'm going to do is make sure people have a right relationship with God. And then I might say, you know, actually all it is is about correcting the relationship with people. If people could love each other well, treat each other well, everything would be fine. That's what justice is. Or, hey, everyone needs to just fix the brokenness with creation and the environment uh, around people and the things. If we can just do that justice, right? And in, depending on the time period and when we're living, different things are arising. And so different, those go up and down, which one's more important. And in, in scripture, God calls us, yes, to make people's relationships with him, right? Was it over here? But also work to make relationships with people, right? Individually and also corporately, systemically, how do we make those relationships right, people treating each other as they should. And also, how do we create and treat the things God has given us correctly? 
And so when I hear justice, justice, we shall pursue, yes, this is the creation mandate. How do we think of all those things in our life and ultimately see those in Jesus who came to make all those things right? This is what we're excited about. This is how the gospel changes everything is that the gospel brings us to a place where we cling to Jesus who's willing to give of himself to fix those broken things. And we get to do that work with him until one day when he comes back and we actually get to hear what that looks like. In Revelation 22, as we kind of make our way here to the end of our morning, um, we can, we have to look forward because it still feels broken, right? It's There's relationships are still broken, brokenness with our relationship with creation and our relationship with God is still broken. We can cling to Jesus knowing that one day that will be made right. Listen to these words. Thinking to the beginning of our story. Remember the the creation part of our story and then we get to the next chapter of the fall where things are broken and Jesus comes to redeem those things and we get to cling to him and clothe ourselves with him and then we get to do that work with him. Well, he is going to do the last part of the story which is called restoration where he makes all things right. And in Revelation 22, we hear, when the angels show me the river of the water of life, this is John getting this vision of what it will be like. He showed me the river uh, of the water of life. Picture this river as clear as crystal. Where's the river coming from? It's coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. Remember the city. He builds us this city where Jesus the Lamb is ruling. And from his throne comes a river down the street, the main street. Don't know how that works, but that's incredible. And on each side of that river, there stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. It's being fruitful. There's a river and there's fruitfulness and there's growth. And the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. That tree that can grow, that can be fruitful, heals the people. That broken relationship with the people, and see verse here, verse three here, no longer will there be any curse. The curses will be done, amen. That's true, that's gonna happen. And the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. We will again get to be in that position to just serve him and participate in caring for creation with him. We get to look for that. And until then, we get to participate with him in mending brokenness, in relationships with God and and people and creation around us. I I have an activity that I'm going to encourage us to do for the next few months. I'd like you to clothe yourself in Christ, okay? In a moment, we're going to take communion and remember who he is. And what he has done for us, we're going to be able to pray for each other. So start thinking of how you'd like us to be able to pray for you or your family. Um, if you want to start posting those, even in the in the uh, comments, that'd be great. First, I want to challenge you with something. This is something that's, that's helped me. Think, of, Consider yourself clothing yourself with Jesus so that when you look out, you see being blessed by him, creation and his people and the way he sees them. And you see multiplication and growth and you see caring opportunities to care you see image bearers of god when you look around and so when you clothe yourself i pick you know put your coat your your jesus shirt on and your 
Jesus pants and your Jesus coat. Maybe it's getting cool. But I also want to encourage you to put on your gospel glasses. See these puppies? How do you like this? Hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. I want you to put on your Jesus glasses for the next few months, hopefully forever. But as you spend your day walking where you walk, driving where you drive, sitting in a room with people who you love and your family, consider putting on your Jesus glasses so that when you look at the city that you're in, you see opportunities to make it flourish, to make it grow, to care for it. When you see people fighting for justice, you see opportunities to join, to care. Consider those image bearers and how you think of them and how they're acting and how you could help mend brokenness. Consider your neighbor and your neighborhood as you walk out of your house or your apartment. Consider those around you. What would it look like for you to join in God's work in redeeming their lives? What would it look like if you took steps to help them flourish? Or what about your own family? How often do we think of the people sitting around the table with us uh, as opportunities to join God in helping them flourish and them multiply and them mend relationships with God and themselves and others? So that's my encouragement this next few months. I've been encouraged by others to even keep like a journal of that. Like what are things I'm seeing? How could I help in that? And then I encourage you to, to, to go, right? With clothed with Jesus, to take a step, to just faithfully participate in the work of the creation mandate with those around you. I'm not asking anyone to do anything gigantic. You yourself are not gonna change the world, but you will change lives around you as you participate in what God's doing in their lives. Give us a few things to consider and reflect on, and then we're going to take communion. So grab your communion supplies, post some prayers here. We're going to take a few minutes as we end to reflect together. Here's a few questions that might help you reflect. Do you know Jesus, the one who makes all things right? Or do you know that Jesus is the one who makes all things right? And then even just where are you finding your purpose? Are you finding it in what God created you to do? Or where are we finding our purpose? When I find my purpose in other things, I often become disappointed. And then I have to find a new thing. And Is your purpose in joining God in his work of restoring things? Uh, and what would your day look like through gospel glasses on your just tomorrow, on your way to work? Even if that's walking to a different room, look around. How can you participate in the work uh, of restoration, of, of redemption, uh, in the things that you walk by. And then I, I think it's really important that we remember who are you fulfilling the creation mandate with. We've been given each other, church. We are given each other, and hopefully that continues to grow, to do this with. And so who do you get to do this with? I had the opportunity this weekend, just yesterday, to go to Seca. saw some other hopesters there, we got to deliver food to some people in our community. It took a few minutes. Uh, and what a joy it was to know together a whole bunch of people in our community were able to get some food. Um, man, that was encouraging. Never could have happened just with me. And so who do you get to do this 
with and help mend this brokenness.